0: Well, thank you for joining us. My name is James. I'm one of the pastors here at Willingdon, and this week is interesting for a number of reasons, uh, the least of which is that we're starting a new sermon series. Uh, So we're starting a new sermon series called Everyday Struggles, and we're looking at just exactly that. Everyday struggles, things that we go through on a daily basis as believers and actually just as human beings on this planet. Uh, We're going to be looking at things like anger, anxiety, forgiveness over the next three weeks leading up to Easter. And we just want to get real and say, what does the Bible have to say about these topics that are applicable to everybody's life? Now, I want to show you something real quick. My brother-in-law gave me this mug for Christmas. It's It's a great mug. It says, be careful or you will end up in my sermon. And This week I'm talking about anger, and so as I carried this mug around this week amongst the staff, you could tell there was a little bit of apprehension with people as they just didn't want to become the sermon illustration for this week. And the reality is, I think for most of us, or almost all of us, anger is something that we deal with on one level or another. Right? Nobody had to teach you how to be angry when you were a kid. Uh, no one had to teach me how to be angry. No one, um, I have two kids right now, two years old and four years old. My wife and I, we didn't have to teach them how to be angry. Uh, that's something that they learn quite easily on their own. Uh, and My kids are great. I love them. They're, they're so much fun. They're always full of energy and they're always uh, up to different things and they're really excited about a lot of things. But there's certain times when they can just become very, very angry give you a quick example of this. One of the things that we've kind of gotten to a, a bit of a habit of doing is that whenever we're driving somewhere together and we arrive home at our house, just on the, on the street, ready to go inside, we always have a race to see who can get to the door first. And usually it's, you know, my, my son Carter and my daughter Kenzie, they run as fast as they can to the door and they always get there and they say, we're the winners, we're the winners. And uh, we, my wife and I, we arrived a little bit later and let them in. And it's kind of, you know, a nice happy moment. Well, one day I decided, wouldn't it be fun to be a bit more competitive in this race? And so as Carter and Kenzie are getting out of their car seats and as they're kind of starting to run towards the house, I decide I'm going to run ahead of them and get to the door as fast as I can. And so I run in front of them and I get to the door. I say, Daddy's the winner. Daddy's the winner. And I was expecting them to say something like, oh, (laughs) dad, you're so funny. You know, good one, dad. No, look on my daughter's face. She's two years old. It was anger bordering on hostility. Right? She was so angry that I would have the audacity to do something like this. Carter saw the situation. And as a big brother, he kind of looked at me and said, dad, how could you do that? How could you do that? They're just so angry at me. It's funny now, every time we get home, Carter goes like this and he blocks his mom and and me from kind of getting past him. He says, Kenzie, run to the door, run to the door, right? We don't have to teach our kids to get angry. It's something they learn on their own. Now I'm not picking on my kids because if anything, they they got this from me. I have distinct memories Uh, being a young boy, probably about eight years old. I was playing outside at my house and I don't even know what happened to make me angry It wasn't anything very big, I'm sure of it. Probably someone said, James, come inside. And I didn't want to come inside. And in my anger, my sister had this little tricycle toy. It was this Fisher Price tricycle toy. And in my anger as an eight-year-old, I picked up that tricycle toy. And I lifted it up all the way above my head. And in anger, I then, ah! And I threw it as far as I could. The handle broke off. I felt awful after that. But it was just this moment of anger that I had at such a young age. And the truth is we can tell stories about anger and we can think about you know, funny stories we've experienced of kids throwing temper tantrums or maybe children doing things or maybe even things that end up being pretty harmless when it comes to anger. But I want to ask you this question. Have you ever done something or said something out of anger that has caused pain for someone in your life that you love? Let me flip that question around for you. Have you ever experienced a loved one do something or say something out of anger that's caused you great pain in your life? And you see, this is where we want to kind of press in today because anger is a topic that touches all of us at some level. And again, it's different severities or different types of anger. Sometimes it's fairly harmless. Maybe you're playing a board game and you're pretty competitive and you're getting angry about something. But we also know that anger can destroy people's lives and their relationships, depending on how far it goes unchecked. And so the reality is, as we approach this topic, we're all coming from different places. The responses that we're going to give today will be different responses as well. Right? For some of us, what we're going to experience today is we're going to have to come to grips with the fact that anger has become a major problem in our life that we need to deal with. That that we're going to have to start to, to make a journey towards health and healing and forsaking this sin in our lives. For others of us, maybe we're going to start to realize today that there's actually these subtle forms of anger that we're not even aware of that we're expressing in our lives. Maybe others of you are here and you've been holding on to anger. You've been holding on to bitterness for a long time and you're realizing it's going to be time to let that go. See, we all come at this at different places in our life with different motivations, with different problems. And the reality is we're looking this morning not only for information, but for transformation. And if we want to see transformation happen in our lives, we need to ask God to do that. So let's pray together as we jump into what we're going to talk about today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together. And Father, I pray now that as we hear from your word that you would just be present to teach us. God, we pray that whatever distractions are out there, whatever distractions are in our minds or in our hands, Father, that you would help us to put those away and focus on what you have for us in this moment. God, I pray that as we think about anger and and what it's doing in our lives, I pray that you'd help us to honestly examine our hearts and to come before you and ask for the help that we desperately need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at anger. Uh, whenever you look at a specific topic in the Bible and you try to preach a sermon on it, there's a couple challenges that you face whenever you try to do that. Uh, the first challenge is just that realizing you're not going to be able to say every single thing that you can that the Bible has to say about this topic. Right? So there's a sense in which you're going to have to be selective in how you approach it. And then on top of that, once you're selective and once you kind of choose what you want to say, you want to make sure that it's going to be applicable and helpful for those who are listening. And so I thought right off the bat, I want to just acknowledge that we're we're going to be talking about some aspects of anger, but not about others. The anger we're going to be focusing on today is basically the anger that humans have between one another and towards God or even towards inanimate objects. But, But essentially looking at the anger that I have as a human being. And I make that distinction because the Bible actually has a lot to say about uh, anger in relationship to God. In other words, God is said to be angry sometimes. God is said to be slow to anger and abounding in love. And so you could do a whole sermon unpacking the theology of God's anger and what provokes his anger and how he is slow to anger and all those things. But today what we're going to be looking at instead is anger on the human plane. Anger on the human level between, again, a human expressing anger either to another human, uh, towards God, or even sometimes if we're honest, towards inanimate objects. And so we want to turn to the Word of God. And to do this, we're going to start by going back to the Old Testament to a section of the Bible that we call the wisdom literature. Uh, These are books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes where God's wisdom for us is unpacked. And there's a lot in these texts about anger and what it does to the human heart and to the human uh, relationships. I'll give you a few examples, and you'll notice how, as we read through these texts, they're all going to say essentially the same thing. I'll start with Proverbs 14, verse 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 19, verse 11, good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for, angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Now, if you're paying attention there, you probably notice there's a lot of language about speed, right? You're being slow to anger versus being quick-tempered. Slow to anger versus quick in your heart to become angry. And particularly in that last text, in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9, we see, I think, two things related to anger that we need to watch out for if we're going to be wise about this topic. Ecclesiastes says we should not be quick to anger, but rather we should be quick to let it go. And we're going to look at both of those throughout this sermon. But the first one is this, and your outline says this, be slow to anger, now, maybe you can relate to this sentiment that I'm about to express. It goes like this. I just get so angry so quickly, and I often don't even know why. This is, this is the expression of, of someone who's saying, I just get angry about the smallest things, and I don't even know why, but people do things or people say things. Something happens, and I just get set off, and I'm angry. Maybe some of us here can relate to that. We're in moments when we're thinking clearly, we know this shouldn't bother me so much. I shouldn't be so upset about it, but something happens in a moment and we just go to anger so quickly as a reaction. When you read some of the literature on anger, sometimes people use the word of being triggered or something triggers you and, and you just kind of snap. Now it's interesting because I've been to a shooting range a couple times in my life. And if you've ever shot a gun before, you'll know that there's this kind of really strange dynamic that takes place where the amount of effort that it takes to pull the trigger of a gun is completely disproportionate to the amount of power that explodes through the weapon once you do, right? You have such a little action of pulling the trigger and yet it has such enormous impact in terms of a gun being fired. And for some of us, that's exactly what it's like when it it comes to anger. Something really little can set us off in, in a fit of anger or a fit of rage. And again, depending on the context in which this happens, the consequences can be relatively small or they can be much larger. Right. So picture me out on the golf course. Right. I'm, I'm about to hit a shot straight down the fairway. I wind up, take my shot. The golf ball goes flying over there into the lake. And I get angry. Right. I smash my golf club on the ground. The golf club breaks. I throw it into the trees. Pretty stupid thing to do, but no real major consequences down the road in terms of relationships, in terms of things like that. The challenging thing becomes, though, when we have these moments where things set us off in anger and we act against the people that we love. We hurt the people around us that mean the most to us and we feel like we're not even able to help ourselves in these moments. And again, oftentimes when we think about it and we look back, we, we just kind of think to ourselves, why did I get so angry about that? Right? We look at it and we say, there's actually no good reason why I should have been so upset about that thing, but I just kind of got set off. I was talking to someone earlier this week and they made a good point. They said, the other drivers on the road, he said, they don't make you angry. They, they don't cause your anger. He said, they reveal your anger. Right? When somebody cuts you off in traffic and you just fly off the handle, he's saying, that's not causing your anger, it's revealing that that anger was already there inside you. Right? When your coworkers are making too much noise and you just, you just kind of something inside you gets so angry, the coworkers are not causing that anger, they're revealing that anger that's already there inside you. This is so often why we're quick to anger. And so the question is, well, what do you do with that? What do you do? You know, you've acknowledged a situation. How do you go about addressing that situation and solving this problem of being quick to anger? And this is where things get interesting because if you just even do a quick search on Google or one of the other search engines and you look up a phrase like anger or anger management, you could spend weeks just reading through all the results that are going to come up. Right? And just so many techniques in terms of what to do when you're angry. I was watching one video and scrolling through the comments and one of the people, it was a video on, you know, different methods to deal with your anger. And one of the people commenting said, if one more person tells me to take deep breaths, I'm going to lose it. Right? Kind of ironic, right? Because he's saying how angry he is at this advice. But you go through and there's just so many pieces of advice in terms of how to deal with anger that you're experiencing. How to deal with these situations in which anger just seems to rise up in you. But what I notice is that when you think about them, they often can be broken down into two categories. And, and we'll talk about both of these. The first category is a category that deals with the symptoms. The second category is the one that deals with the root of the problem. So the first one is this. The first one is, is again, is dealing with the symptoms. It's saying you're going to experience these situations where anger just rises up in you. Here's what you can do to alleviate that anger in the moment. And so this is, again, where suggestions like taking deep breaths. This is something you can do in the moment because of the anger that's rising up inside of you. Uh, this is, again, you could talk about, you know, learning, try to not take things so, so personally or don't take things seriously and try to think about something else in, in the moment. There's all kinds of techniques that can be quite effective for dealing with the symptoms. But what many people have, have noted, and I think they're, they're on to something really important here, is that anger is often what we call a secondary emotion. In other words, what I mean by that is usually when we're angry and we're expressing anger, there's usually something that's standing behind that anger a little bit below the surface. And again, even on a really simple level, you, you probably notice that when you're hungry or when you're tired, you get more agitated more quickly, right? That's a kind of a small example. But oftentimes, there's even a deeper emotion beneath anger, and anger is just kind of what we express, but actually deep down, there's something else going on, right? You might, you might always have these fits of anger, but really the problem is that you're ashamed of who you become, or you're fearful that people don't really know who you are, and if they found out who you are, they wouldn't actually like you or accept you. And so that fear that's kind of eating you up inside, it expresses itself in anger, or maybe in, in this climate where anxiety just seems to be all over the place, especially with the pandemic that's going on, you see these expressions of anger, these this outbursts of anger that are really, I think, expressions of the anxiety that we're all feeling inside. And so the second method of dealing with this kind of anger is saying, rather than just looking at the symptoms, why don't we go back and try to find out what's going on at the root? Why don't I ask the question, why do I always experience these situations? What's going on deeper inside that's causing me to always have these outbursts of anger? And again, I just want to say that if this is where you're at today, this is not going to be a slow, easy, or this this is not going to be a quick and easy process. Right? You're not going to this afternoon say, well, this morning I listened to a sermon on anger and now I don't struggle with it anymore whatsoever. It's amazing. No, what's going to happen is if you're in a situation like this, this means there's a long road ahead towards healing and asking yourself the question, what's causing this anger in my life? Uh, But there's different ways you can do this and some great resources that are out there to help you. One of the examples even here at our church is a program that's called Freedom Sessions that's happening right now. Uh, We're going to start it up again in the fall, but Freedom Sessions is asking that question, okay, what's kind of going on down deep inside of me that's causing these outbursts, whether it's through anger or through other ways of coping with what's going on. Uh, A couple weeks from now, in April, Pastor Isaac's going to be hosting a men's breakfast where for three weeks we're going to be looking at the topic of anger. And so again, this might be another place where you can plug in and really have an impact there. Uh, Maybe it's uh, something you want to talk to a pastor about or a Christian counselor. But I want to encourage you, if this is something in your life that you're beginning to recognize, if you're realizing that, yes, I I find myself in these situations where something happens and I just lose control and respond in anger and it's hurting the people I love, I encourage you today to make a decision that you're going to take the steps you need to take to get the help you need to have so that you can live your life the way that God has called you to live. See, anger is this, this tricky thing where, again, we, we can kind of lose control and things can happen, and we're so quick to kind of convince ourselves, no, no, it's all okay. You know, next time it, it won't be different, or it will be different. And maybe today is a is day we need to have an honest moment with ourselves and just reflect how big a problem is this in my life. Or maybe to ask the question, how big a problem is this in the life of someone I love very dearly? And ask what, what difficult but important steps do I need to take towards health and healing? So when you read through the Bible, I hope it's become clear that there's a, there's a propensity to say, be slow to anger. Uh, Don't be quick to anger. Don't be quick-tempered. But we also notice that there's a way that the Bible talks about anger. Often anger is seen as a negative thing, whether you got there quickly or whether you got there slowly. And I'll give you some examples from the New Testament where anger is listed as something that should be avoided at all costs. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 20 says this, "'For I fear that perhaps when I come I may find you not as I wish.'" And that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Uh, Now Galatians 5 verse 19 to 21b, it says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And even Jesus' words now from Matthew 5 verse 21, it says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So as you kind of step back and you look at this, whether it's looking at the wisdom literature in the Old Testament or looking at these lists of sins in the New Testament, it's pretty clear that you can make a strong case against anger in someone's life. Right? You, you can see pretty clearly that the Bible paints a really negative picture of anger on the human sphere. And so this raises the question for us, well, if the Bible paints such a negative picture of anger, is there ever a time when anger is appropriate in human relationships? Is there ever a time where we might say that our, our anger is a righteous anger, that it's justified, that it's a, you know, a righteous indignation, as we might call it? And this is a question that people have wrestled with. Uh, People have kind of had different debates on different sides of things, and some have said no anger is always bad, and others have said no anger can be a really good thing. To answer this question, I want to take us to a passage in the New Testament that speaks to this, I think, pretty directly. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 26. And as I said, it kind of addresses this topic of can anger be a good thing quite directly? It says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do you hear that? Be angry. The way it's written, it's actually written as a command. Be angry. But notice what comes right after that and do not sin. In other words, it's saying, be angry in a way that does not lead to sin, be angry in a way that's not sinful. And it's interesting because when you look at the the whole scope of scriptures, you recognize that anger that's not sinful is something that we see in different places. And in fact, what we see is at times it says that God is angry with his people or God is angry about a situation or some atrocity that's been committed. And so we recognize, okay, God is without sin. God is angry. There's such thing as anger that is not sinful. Jesus himself in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 5, it says this, And Jesus looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And so I think it's important for us to understand the fact that there's such a thing as anger that's not sinful. In fact, it's probably the truth that there's certain situations that we're going to encounter as human beings where anger is going to be the natural response to the things that we're seeing to the things that we're experiencing. People are going to hurt us immensely. People are going to hurt the people that we love immensely. And anger is a natural response to those atrocities. In fact, I think you can argue that in certain situations, if anger doesn't rise up in you, there's actually maybe something wrong with the way you're responding. And so I would say, yes, there is such a thing as righteous anger. There is such a thing as being angry and not sinning. But the question is, okay, if it's possible to be angry without sinning, the next question is, what do you do with that anger? What do you do with that anger? And I think the first thing that you do is you test that anger. And what I mean by that is, I think we probably can acknowledge that when it comes to our own motivations, we're a lot easier on ourselves than we are on others, in other words, I think it's really easy for us to say, well, this is my anger and this anger is righteous and this anger is justified. I have good reasons to be angry. And I'm going to suggest that sometimes we might need to examine those reasons because maybe we might be fooling ourselves just a little bit. I think we tend to cut ourselves a lot more slack when it comes to justifying why I'm angry at something. So I'll give you just a little example, a little picture here to think about. You know, Imagine driving... And you're uh, maybe trying to go somewhere you've never been before. You've got your, your map going on there, but you don't really know the area. And you're driving slowly because you know you have to make a turn soon, but you don't know where it is. So you're kind of driving a bit under the speed limit, and you're kind of slowing down to look for signs, and you're doing this kind of thing. And all of a sudden, you see someone in your rearview mirror just come right up behind you and start honking. And they're angry. Right? You can just see maybe they're making some expressions on their face or maybe they're making some gestures. But you can just see this person behind you, they are so angry. And what do you do in that moment? Maybe you shouldn't say, but, but what do you do? Your, your thought in that moment is, how dare this person behind me be so angry at me? I don't know where I'm going. I'm trying my best to drive carefully. You know, why does he have to be in such a rush? How dare this person be so angry at me? He needs to calm down. His anger is unjustified. He needs to stop right now. Two days later, you're driving to work. You're driving to work. You're running a little bit late. And in the road in front of you, there's this person driving 10 kilometers under the speed limit. And they're just going so slow. And they they constantly are pressing on their brakes and they're looking. It looks like they're trying to turn somewhere. They don't know where you're going. And you drive right up behind them and you're angry because this person is blocking the road. They're stopping you from being able to get to work. You're already running, running late and you're angry and you have every right to be angry because this person is ruining your whole morning. Is that a righteous anger? Absolutely, this is righteous anger. This is justified anger because I'm mad and this person's ruined my day. That's, of course, a silly example, but it just, I think, illustrates this point that so often when we check our own motives, we're a lot more quick to justify our anger as righteous. We're we're a little bit too quick, I think, to say, well, yeah, that person shouldn't be angry about that. That person shouldn't be angry about that, but I have a right to be angry about this. And so I just want to encourage us or challenge us rather to say, when we look at what we call righteous anger in our own life, the first question we need to ask is, is this actually a a real reason to be angry or am I just being selfish in this moment? The first thing we do with righteous anger is we test it. But the second thing we do with righteous anger, and this is now I'm talking about the legitimate experience of anger that's not sinful that's based on things that are that are right and true and good the question is what do we do with that anger when we experience it and the answer i think according to scripture is we let it go your outline says this be quick to let it go i want to read for us again ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 the second half of the verse it says this anger lodges in the heart of fools When I was reading this week, that that line jumped out to me. Anger lodges in the heart of fools. What it's saying is that anger is not supposed to take up residence in the human heart. It's not not something we should have dwelling inside our hearts. And the dangerous thing is the most common anger for us to hold on to in our hearts is the anger that we feel most justified in holding on to right? It's it's easy for us to let things go and we know they shouldn't really bother us, right? That anger, we can let it go, no problem. The difficult anger to hold on to is when we know I have a reason to be angry. This person has really hurt me. This person has really hurt someone I love. That's the anger that's the most difficult to let go. That's the anger that we want to hold on to. That's the anger. We almost are intoxicated by that anger sometimes. We just maybe feel so powerless to do anything else, but we can hold on to that anger. And so Paul says, be angry and do not sin. And we can handle that part of the the phrase, be angry, okay, I can be angry, and, and for the right reasons, I can be angry for the right reasons, but look at what he says right after that. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. He's saying there's an anger that's a a righteous anger. It's a real anger that's not sinful. But he says, even that anger, don't let the sun go down on that anger. Get rid of it as fast as you can. Now, I just want to make a quick note here because this verse is kind of sometimes used to say, you know, don't go to bed angry ever and there's been a lot of Christians that have kind of taken that to mean, well, if I'm having an argument with someone or if I'm in conflict with someone, we can't go to bed until that conflict is solved. You know, Maybe you've been in an argument with whether you know, maybe a spouse or a roommate or a sibling and it's 10 o'clock at night and this conflict arises and now you're thinking, oh no, we have to deal with this before we go to bed. And it's 11 o'clock and you're both tired and you're irritable and you're trying to solve this, but it's just getting worse and worse. I think there's actually a time when you can say, you know what? We're in no place to deal with this right now, but why don't we get some sleep and deal with this first thing in the morning when we're both rested? But the point of this passage, I think, is saying, Wh- whatever you need to do, you need to let go of this anger and you need to get rid of it because it's going to destroy you if you don't. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, that's, that's a nice idea. Get rid of this anger. Easier said than done. How are we supposed to do that? And I think when you think about it, when you think about especially righteous anger, this anger that we feel justified in holding on to, the reason that we feel justified holding on to it is because someone has done something to harm us. Someone has done something to hurt somebody that we love. Someone has committed this great injustice that needs to be made right. And because of this, I think when we think about letting go of anger, there's really only one way to do it, and it's through forgiveness. Because remember, forgiveness is is saying, I acknowledge that you've done something to hurt me. I acknowledge that I have rights to be angry at you, to be upset with you, to hold this against you, and yet I'm going to choose not to hold this against you. I'm going to cancel the debt that was owed. I'm going to act as if you didn't do what you did, or at least not hold the consequences against you. Again, there's there's still room for boundaries. There's still room for for not walking into similar situations and relationships will change. But forgiveness is saying, I'm canceling the debt that stands against you. I'm forgiving what you have done. And I think if we're going to get rid of our anger in any meaningful way, forgiveness is going to be the only way that we can do that. In fact, just a few verses later in Ephesians 4 verse 31, listen to what Paul says next. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. We might ask the question well how do we do that? Paul answers in verse 32 be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. So question again how do we put off anger? Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. And what's so neat is that when we think about God's relationship to his people. And throughout the Old Testament, you read constantly about God's people are doing this to provoke him to anger and they're turning their backs on him and they're, they're committing spiritual idolatry and adultery and God continually forgives them. God continually is slow to anger. Listen to this verse from Psalm 78, verse 38 to 39 that talks about God dealing with his people. It says this, Yet he... Being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity. He forgave their sins, in other words. It says, and he did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. Now again, we're we're talking about anger this morning and you're saying now we're gonna talk about forgiveness and, and unpack all of that. Well, the good news is in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about forgiveness, and we're going to really dive deep into that topic, and we're going to address, okay, how do we forgive, and how do we forgive, especially when we don't want to, or we feel like people don't deserve it. And so if you're sitting here today thinking, well, I'm not sure about this forgiveness thing, I don't want to forgive, then I'll just say, you know, hold on, and let's keep journeying together over the next three weeks. But I want to remind us of something. When we forgive someone, we don't forgive someone because... They deserve it. We forgive someone because we also didn't deserve forgiveness, but God gave it to us freely. We forgive because we've been forgiven. But secondly, I think when it comes to releasing anger, we realize that we don't have to be the ones in charge of making sure justice happens in this world. You see, especially with anger, when we're angry at something, it's usually because something has been done that needs to be made right. Something has been done that's injustice and injustice needs to, be, to, to prevail. Someone's been hurt and they need to be vindicated. And the, the challenging part, the devastating part, is that so often we're so helpless to bring about that justice, to bring about that vindication. And sometimes it feels like anger's all that we got. I can't fix this situation. I can't bring about justice. I can't change the way that person's going to treat other people, but I can hold on to my anger. And God says, actually, you can let go of that anger because I'm actually going to deal with these things that you're so concerned about. You see, there's certain things that God says, I'm going to take care of these things. And so you can release them to me. You don't have to worry about them. I'm going to deal with this for you. And we read these words in Romans chapter 12, verses 19 to 21. I think they're just so applicable here. He says this Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. I was reading a book this week by a guy named Brant Hanson. It's called Unoffendable. And it deals all with this idea of releasing anger or releasing what we might call our right to be angry. And he had this quote in there. I thought it was just brilliant. He says this. He says, Anger makes me think I have a right to hold the stone. Now he's talking about the story in John's gospel where there's a group of people who are surrounding this woman caught in adultery and they're all holding stones ready to throw the matter. Brent Hansen says, anger makes me think I have a right to hold the stone. I may not throw it, but I'll hold on to it since the other person really did that horrible thing. You remember in the story in John chapter 8, Jesus says, Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, it says that they all let go of those stones. You see, I think there's something to that where we want to hold on to that stone. You know, maybe again, we might not even want to throw it, but we want to hold on to the idea that I have a right to be angry, I have a right to have something against you, I have a right to avenge the wrong that's been done. And God says, actually, don't worry about that. Vengeance is mine and I will see to it. And so again, this isn't just saying, well, I'm not going to be angry and I'm going to forget about things and it's not a big deal. It's saying, no, it is a big deal, but God has said he will deal with it. He's going to work through this. He's going to make sure that justice happens in the end. He's going to make sure that people are vindicated in the end, that things happen according to his plan came across this other quote by Dallas Willard. He says this, I can trust Jesus to go into the temple and drive out those who are profiting from religion, beating them with a rope. I cannot trust myself to do so. See, anger is not something we need to hold on to. We can actually let that go. I think there's a beautiful picture in the Psalms that talks about this dynamic. Psalm 37, verse 7 to 8 says this, Be still before the Lord, And wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. Now, this might be the part where we want to push back a little bit and say, well, you know. That's all nice, but isn't it true that anger actually leads to us accomplishing good things for God? You know, isn't it true that if we're angry about something, then things actually start to happen and we see justice take place. We see things happen for God. We see, you know, causes being advanced because people get angry and they do something about it. And I just want to kind of, again, push back and say, yeah, it's true. Anger might wake us up to something that needs to happen in this world. But it's actually the action that we take towards that that makes the difference. You know, we think about this. We live in a culture that some people have called an outrage culture. I heard about a website once where you could go and you could click on any day of the year in the calendar and they would tell you what people were outraged about that day. Right? So you can pick a day, you know, June 17, 2017, and you click on it, it says, okay, this day everyone was outraged about this. And what they found is that just because people are outraged doesn't actually mean things get accomplished towards what they're outraged about. And so I want to encourage us not to think as anger as this thing that's going to accomplish justice in the world, but to think about maybe it is something that first of all wakes us up. But then I want to encourage us to take actions towards the thing that God wants us to take actions towards. Uh, James 1 verse 19 to 20 says this. I think it sums it up nicely. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. See, again, anger can wake us up, but don't hold on to that anger. We need to take actions towards justice, we need to take actions towards helping those who are in need, but there's a much greater motivation than anger. And your outline says this. Be motivated by love. Again, I want to read another quote from Brant Hansen in his book, Unoffendable. He says this Relinquishing my right to anger does not mean accepting injustice. It means actively seeking justice and loving mercy and walking humbly with God. And that means remembering I'm not Him. What a relief. What a relief that we don't have to be the ones who uphold justice in this universe, but we have a God who does. And so let's be like our Heavenly Father, slow to anger and abounding in love. See, like I said at the beginning, we're all on a journey. The question is, what's your next step going to be? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love. And Father, I pray that we would be able to emulate this aspect of your character in our lives. And so God, I pray that right now as we're processing and as we're thinking through what we just heard, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be pressing in on us. God, if we're realizing right now that this is much bigger of an issue than we ever wanted to admit, Father, I pray that you would just help us to come to admit that and recognize that we need your help. And God, have we been holding on to anger and bitterness for years, Father? I pray that right now, someone listening would just be able to let that go. That that would just be the end of it. That they would give it over to you. That they would offer that forgiveness. And know that they can trust you with that. God, we just ask that you would go with us. in the rest of this week, whatever it holds, Father, we know you hold the future in your hands. And we can trust you.